lying in state. The life is a demani tragedy. Welcome to the sixth and final episode of Lying in State, the Life is a Dimeni Tragedy. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, we urge you to log on to our website, ewn.co.za, or download the entire series on the podcast app. In the series, Eyewitness News has looked into the decision by the Gauteng Health Department to terminate its agreement with Life Esitimeni, how this decision claimed the lives of at least 144 psychiatric patients, how government refused to listen to reason and went ahead with moving over 1,700 patients to overcrowded facilities which were also found to have been operating unlawfully. We also looked into the moves, found they were rushed and showed complete disregard for the constitutional rights of the patients and their families. We also dissected the reasons for the termination of the contract to save costs and to deinstitutionalize the care of the patients. There is enough evidence to show the first so-called reason was a lie or at best a negligent decision while the latter, well, it was found that the government did not understand its own policy but went ahead and implemented it anyway. For this episode, I speak to some of the journalists who covered the story and attended every single day of the public hearings. It was emotionally taxing for many of us because we continuously had to put our emotions aside and concentrate on telling the story. My first interview is with Nelisiwem Somi, a health journalist at Begisisa, the health reporting division of the Mail and Guardian. For me, yeah, it was quite an emotional ride covering this. I mean, it's like it's different from anything else um, because you it's, you interact with your case studies every day. Um, you eat with them at breakfast or at lunch, and you talk to them. And when they cry, you sort of have to play another role as a journalist of of being. A, I mean, a low level a comforter or psychologist and um, and then you start feeling like you're part of them, you start feeling or you, you feel their anger when officials lie um, you feel their pain when they tell their story of, of their journey uh, as family members you know um and even if you want to express your emotions and cry, but you also have to like remember that you are on the job right now, so you need to put your emotions aside and try to focus and get the story out there because it's your duty. It's my, I felt like it's my duty to let other people know, or the country to know, okay, this is what's happening, to, this is what happened in our country post-democracy that we treated the most vulnerable people in our society in such a horrible way. It was a horrific thing that happened and it needed to be on record so we don't repeat that mistake ever again. I then make a call to SABC senior journalist Mangoba Mkunu, who also covered the story from the beginning in 2015 and saw the painful journey the families walked. 
I ask him what exactly sets the life as a Dimeni tragedy apart from other stories he's covered in the past. Well, I'll say for me, covering that as a Dimeni was um, one of the emotionally tough assignments that I've had to do. Uh, I mean, I've done Marikana before, and the scale of um, the disaster of life as a Dimeni was just too immense. And for us, Getting to cover it was emotional because, I mean, you hear harrowing testimonies of uh, how people died at uh, the hands of the people that they trusted to take care of their loved ones, how they were neglected. So to hear stories of, for example, of people that found their loved ones decomposed, that found their loved ones in a very severe uh, condition or uh, physical condition, like immersed and uh, some of them dehydrated and hungry. It was really heartbreaking because as a human being, you also can just imagine how it is for somebody to watch your loved one die from starvation and dehydration. So it was physically draining in terms of the assignment itself, the long hours, but more than anything, it was emotionally draining because you get to hear those harrowing tales, you get to know the family members, and you also get to, in a sense, know those victims. You get to know who, for example, Christopher Makoba was and how he died. So it was, it was really a tough assignment compared to the other ones that I've done before where, you know, you just uh, do a story. It's unlike, for example, a crime story that you do. I mean, every story that you do takes a, a part of, of you in it, especially if it's a story that involves murder or that involves um, serious crime. So a part of you gets uh, immersed in that story somehow. So Life is Gimene for me was the toughest because it was just shocking detail after shocking detail. I also briefly spoke to Dr. Mvuyi Sotalatala at his office in Soweto. Dr. Talatala is the former president of the South African Society of Psychiatrists and had written to the department and taken it to court over the transfers. He says the journey with the families was steep and he would never forget it. As health professionals, we develop a resilience over years of hearing bad stories. You hear bad stories all over. I mean, I went to medical school in 1992. Um, so you hear bad stories all your life. So I think over years you develop resilience. Yeah, I'm sure I laughed at uh, Julius Malema when he was uh, almost teasing the Minister of Health, saying why was he crying? Because uh, doctors will tell your relative has passed away and they will not cry, they'll say it with a straight face. Mm. So I think we've developed resilience in how we interact with our patients. Um, I, the other stories that I often say, uh, it's easy for me to treat a gunshot than to see someone being shot at. Yes. And I'm sure a soldier probably will find it easier to see someone being shot at than then to deal with the complications of a, of a, a gunshot uh, or gunshot wound. So I, 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 I think we've developed resilience, but it did um, take its toll when, when we're dealing with this because um, it's easier and nicer now that we're talking about it and it's in the past. At the time it was happening, I did not foresee that would win. I did not, I did not, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a pessimist, I did, I did not, I did not, um, I, I'm not calling this a win, but I, I didn't anticipate a positive outcome, maybe that's a better word, I didn't anticipate a positive outcome of it. I thought, 
um, having worked in health, that once the government has decided on a certain trajectory, will eventually just write the findings in general articles for our own interpretation and our own analysis. I mean, just like during the HIV era, we, I mean, it was of value to scientists to write about the normal course of HIV in an untreated uh, South African population, mm-hmm. you know, which other countries wouldn't have. Although it's a sad story to the affected uh, people. So maybe it's those kind of things that, um, uh, no matter how bad the situation is, there's always um, uh, there's always something positive that will come out of it. Too many people were hurt and traumatized by this tragedy. And although retired Deputy Chief Justice Dikhang Moseneke refused to make recommendations on who should face criminal charges for their part in this mess, the families and activist groups say it's obvious who should face action. Dorothy Franks, who ran the Anchor House NGO and admitted to using funds in Sasa cards belonging to patients who had already died, being one of them. And did you draw money of grants on patients who had died, isn't it? continue drawing money of patients who have died. What is your answer? Mm, yes, Justice. I can hear no answer. Yes, Want to answer the question? Yes. Yes. But I couldn't have uh, working on it. Thank you, Justice. Before we move on, Mrs. Franks, um, you said to the Justice we were really pressurized. Who pressurized you? The health department came and they said, you must do this, you must do that, you must... Who the health department? Okay, every time uh, when they come and do an inspection, it's uh, Dr. Malamela and the MEC was also there once. Police are still busy with the inquest dockets into these cases and one can only hope that the families will see full justice prevail. Once again... We urge you to listen to the series by logging onto our website or downloading the podcast app and searching for EWN. You will also find out why you cannot rely on the private health sector or even your own medical aid for care if you or any of your loved ones suffer from a severe mental illness. If you have been following our series, thank you. And we hope you have taken some lessons not only from our podcast, but from the tragedy that unfolded. I'm Masukhara Taha, and this was Lying in State, a life as a demeaning tragedy. This is an EWN podcast, written and produced by Masukhara Taha, Sheldon Marais, and Peter Toronto.